0: Hi, I'm Jess and I'm George and this is TransFantastic. a podcast about gender, identity, orientation and all the life that happens around it.
1: Like adulting. What? Which is apparently a word now because we verb our nouns. Yes, we do. That's a thing mm-hmm. and it's a thing we got to get these kids ready for even though some days we don't quite feel like adults ourselves.
0: Yes. Still. I sometimes worry, and by sometimes I mean more than once a day, that our children are not going to be functional enough.
1: I think that's an understandable worry. There are a lot of adults who are not functionally adulting. Yes. And ours are challenged in some different ways that might make it harder for them to be functional in their adulting or to even achieve anything approximating adulting. So
0: Mm -hmm. yes,
1: I think it's understandable that you're concerned. But you talked to me about that the other day. I did. I did. And I said that we needed to do with number two and three like we did with number one and just give give them the skills of adulting and enforce the chores and the tasks and the motions yes. of adulting.
0: Yes, because they're very resistant, much like he was. And I'm sure many of us are as teenagers, resistant to reality, practicality, among other necessities. and. Yeah. We we haven't we haven't had a system in place for a while that does that.
1: Correct. When we first moved into this house about 5 6 years ago, we had some fairly functional systems in place for getting kids to do regular chores and getting kids to do regular tasks and have regular responsibilities that would, you know, teach them, if not the value of being responsible, at least how to go through the motions of being responsible. But then there were a handful of things that kind of exploded The way of doing things. One kid went away and came back with fewer skills than he had left with. And then we were playing musical houses for some months, and all semblance of routine went out the window. And we've been struggling to get it back since.
0: Yes. In the type of system we had in place for number one child, we tried to we tried to use that for number three. However, it, it wasn't working, and in part that's because number three is not quite as ritualistic as number one. Correct. And also because I could easily go chase after number one child and say, hey, go and do the thing. And if the thing is not done, I will take your stuff. Mm -hmm. Go do the thing. And because of the split system, we had to develop while we were trying to survive the war. While we were playing musical houses. I don't have the interaction and relationship with number three child that I might have had if we had a chance to do that. And it's not that I can't have that at all, but, but there's uh, there's quite a divide with the kids and it's getting better. And the system of me having you, having them go do a thing <laughs> is really, really crap because
1: There are many fail points along that system. Yes.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> I many. will
1: admit. So many. So Yeah.
0: And one of them is that I am usually busy chasing the other child around.
1: Yes, because I lost the capability to remove some of that time burden from you. And it became all your job to chase number two and to enforce anything with number two and to do any parenting for number two was all your job. But... That job is two to three times the effort, energy, and time drain that number three child
0: parenting is. It is if number three child parenting is a direct system, but the me telling you telling them is not a direct system, and so it is more burdensome.
1: (laughs) And when we were... Evenly splitting both children, there was a big lump and a small lump, and we each took part of the big lump and part of the small lump. And now you've got all of the big lump, and I've got all of the small lump, but I don't do it as detail-orientedly
0: as you would. You don't do it as consistently either. Correct. There's just an entire lack of OCD, and it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for number one and number two, they need that, you know, that's real schedule, in, you know, real-time schedule. Yes. Of, no, it is not time to do that thing. It is time to...
1: It needs to be a routine. Yeah. Whereas number three is the opposite. Like if you try and schedule a routine and make it the same, they they start to chafe under it.
0: Number three does that kind of routine the way I write in notebooks.
1: And writing in notebooks is a longstanding joke that we still have this notebook that we started writing in seven years ago when we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I still have the very first episode notes on the very first page of the notebook and the very first episode notes that you made when we were like doing this collaborative note making thing. And you just opened up to a middle page. And so about three years in, I came to this page and there's a whole bunch of George writing about our first episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So in that way, you you have a system, and mine is more freeform.
1: Yours is much more freeform, except when it comes to the kitchen.
0: Well, it's it's more than the kitchen. It's the chores in general, because there's chores all over the house. Oh yes. The ma- the most of the chores end up in the kitchen.
1: Yes. And so there's this imbalance of where my detail-orientedness is and where your detail-orientedness is are in completely different areas. When we were able to divide and conquer both kids' tasks, that worked to ours and theirs advantage, that they were having two different sets of detail-orientedness from different angles at different times. Yes. But... Now that's not the case, and we have four years to get these kids to adulthood.
0: Yeah, the other thing is we have an adult child in the house that I really needed more help from, but wasn't sure how to manage that without encroaching on their you know their own adultness la- launching <laughs> into the world. yes. They came home to stay with us. Well, initially they came home because they were sick and we went and got them. And because they needed to escape from a bad
1: partner situation.
0: Yeah. And then they stayed and helped with old people. And then they stayed and helped when I was sick. And uh, then they came and went to places.
1: But this is a thing that they do. As former foster children, they are always looking for the next thing and trying to be ready for the next change. And that has to be hard. hmm But it also means that they tend to forget about what they need to do where they're already at.
0: Yeah, once they start worrying about being ready for the next thing, I can see that. Yeah. but I, So I was trying to come up with a way to do that. So you came up with a pretty good solution for this situation. Much to my surprise.
1: That involves all
0: three. Yes. And they seem to take it all quite well. Yes. Um, considering we were giving them all responsibilities. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you made the adult the manager. I did. I made the adult the manager because they want to be helpful, but they also wish that they were already launched.
1: They wish they weren't 30-something and living with their parents again.
0: Yes. And it's like you said, it's a problem of being a former foster child and taking longer to sort those things out. Especially like you've got some sorted and then you take a vacation from that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I knew that they could be helpful, but none of this was working because just having kids go do a chore or having chore lists or anything else wasn't working. So now we're going to try having one kid doing uh, the main chore of dishes and the other kid doing the other chores of cleaning the other spaces in the house and the zero child being the manager of the smaller people. So if a thing is not done, they can go get the person in charge of that that week. So
1: we're delegating some of our managing small people responsibility to the adult child. Yes. Who then is aware of the actual tasks that we have delegated to the small people. Yes. Which I think is pretty good and pretty functional. And the thing you were talking to me about the other night as you were coming up with this solution was the idea that these kids don't seem to have a sense of urgency or a sense of impending adulthood. The adult child does like they have this sense of, oh my god, I still live with my dad. Mm-hmm. But the other two, the teenagers, are like completely oblivious to the necessity of being genuinely responsible for yourself, your things, and your space,
0: right? And by the time we had number one child launched over to his dad's house, anyway, we knew that I, I felt okay with that. I knew he knew how to wash dishes, cook an egg, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew how to do some basic things that that he could then figure out the rest from there.
1: And so I said, we do need to go through this process, like I said before, of getting them into the habits of responsibility, even if they don't understand the necessity for responsibility, even if they are resistant to the reality of responsibility.
0: It's like brushing their teeth or taking a shower; just they're just going to need to do that,
1: right? And, and so learn that habit. at this point, that's you know bringing it back to. We need to teach them the skills. Right now, they understand, and I mentioned Maslow, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, Mm -hmm. that like starts out, it's like a pyramid. You have to have the base before you can move up. And it starts with like basic survival skills. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be able to like get all the way up to self-actualization and like feeling like you're efficacious in in your own existence is like the pinnacle of it. But right now, they don't really, a lot of this is still being handed to
0: them. They, they can't even do the base stuff. They can't.
1: They can't. And you and I were doing the base stuff when we were their
0: age. Oh, yeah. We were in control. We were in, in, in charge of the base stuff happening. On For our parents and or siblings.
1: That's right. And so it's kind of this disconnect between how we were raised, acknowledging that that was completely and totally dysfunctional, but it also made us better people. Mm -hmm. And then seeing how these kids don't have the skills we had, but it's because they are better cared for and they are able to achieve more of the self-actualization piece than we were at that age, because they are having those base level needs already met for them.
0: Right. Right. So because they are about to learn the habits and practice the habit and they don't know things, it's the lack of information, the lack of practice of things. You're going to have number three child calling you when they're in their 30s and saying, hey, mom, how do I adult this thing? How do I make a whatever?
1: How do I do the how do I make the how do I achieve the Mm -hmm. and it's funny to me because when you said that I had flashbacks to teaching at the school up the street when my mother passed away Mm -hmm. and the majority of my colleagues there were also middle class folk. Mm-hmm. but they had been raised by middle-class folk. Mm-hmm. And so when my mother passed, they, there were at least three or four people who were like, oh my gosh, that's got to be so hard. How can you not just want to call her every day and ask her things? And And I'm like, God damn, I have not asked my mother a thing since I was like 10. That's why. But
0: <laughs> These kids don't want to ask us nothing. They don't, because we'll make them do it
1: the hard way, all the way from scratch. Yeah. But we will walk them through it. We won't be like the can of beans guy. Did you see this? Can of beans? Long story short, for if any of our friends haven't heard it, it's basically this guy went on this Twitter rant about how he basically bullied his kid because she could not use a can opener on a can of baked beans. And he made her figure it out, like science and engineering figure it out. Like instead of just showing her, here's how you use a can opener. Oh. Treated it like some opportunity for learning independence and self-reliance. And the rest of us are just like, dude, you bullied your kid. They're never going to talk to you about anything they actually need in their life. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, we do model it for them and we walk them through the steps, but we do make them do the things. Yes. Yes. And so it's weird to me that like all these other people who had upbringings unlike ours, but more like our kids were still calling their parents for advice in their 20s and 30s. And so when you said that, that number three is going to be calling us for advice in their 20s and 30s. And I was like, does that mean we're doing
0: it right? I think it does. I really don't know. (laughs) Because here's the other thing. I think outside of when I'm doing the parenting, I don't really remember that I'm an adult.
1: You don't, and neither do I. And the first reason I thought of for that was because we didn't have that, you know, milestone transition into adulting. You know, we didn't get kicked out of the house and go do the adulting. Like we were transitioned slowly into adulting over the course of our entire late childhood and early adolescence.
0: Yeah, until we could get out the door without it hitting us in the ass. So,
1: <laughs> And so we didn't have this like, becoming an adult, because when we turned 18, we were all doing all the things anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was worried about financial stability and stuff. But that probably has a lot to do with the modeling that wasn't happening. So
1: there is that. Yeah. And I felt the same way growing up. When I, I got, I turned 18, I got married and then I graduated from high school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I did that to get out of my parents' house, which I had already been living at his house for some while. And I had been couch surfing with friends before that, but it was more stability than I had previously had.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like, I didn't have this sense of woohoo. Now I'm adulting. It was, oh, okay. What's the next thing now that Now I'm needs legally doing?
0: responsible for my adulting. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and I don't even think that that was really a thing that hit me at that point. You know, it was just, here's the next thing. Okay, now I have to move across the state and start college. Mm -hmm. So I think because we never had that milestone of like, okay, now you graduate, and now you move out, and now you are doing your own adulting. Like there was never that milestone moment. It was a bunch of tiny little yardstones. There was no milestone. (laughs)
0: Well there was there were some miles in there but the stones were not acknowledged I mean there you know, you go. we shouldn't have been you know doing all the things at 10 or whatever but I do think that's why I worry about the kids is they don't have any besides like bitching about us they don't have any struggles
2: <laughs>
0: uh, as far as you know staying alive and safe in the world they can do that at our house.
1: Yes. And it actually, the other day when I was driving home with number three from their dad's house, they were talking about something that their their friend's mom was being overprotective about something. And and I said, well, you know, there there may be some trauma there that, you know, they, they're trying to remedy or trying to avoid. Or, you know, there are some situations that look like your situation at your father's house with the poverty and the, you know, you dress much more mature than- a lot of kids your age usually do. And sometimes that's adjacent to trauma. And, and number three looks at me and says, I don't think I have any trauma. And I was like, no, I don't think you do either. That's good. That's how it should be. Yes. You should be having itty bitty tiny struggles now, and they will get bigger as you get older so that when you do have real trauma, you have developed resiliency, but you should not have had any trauma yet hmm And that was kind of weird, like, to have the kid looking at me like, I don't think I have trauma, and I'm like, holy shit, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. But the other thing, speaking of trauma is dysphoria. You were saying that like in these groups that you, that we talked about last week, when you're reading these, you know, Facebook groups, and I don't know if you read like other subreddits or anything like that, but these social gatherings online where a bunch of guys are talking and they were talking about adulting.
0: One of the guys in transition said he had never really felt like an adult until after his transition. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Thought about that at the time and thought I I really understand that like I I really felt like I could relate to that and since I've transitioned I do feel like more of an adult of course I've you know been transitioning not quite eight years but. Often I don't feel like an adult when I have a moment to reflect on that, like I'll notice that feeling of, wait a second, I'm like getting older now, much, much older than a lot of my colleagues. So I'm the adult. You are, you are, you are the elder. You are, you are a trans elder. Yeah. What's going on there? When did that happen? (laughs) Right? Right?
1: Well, it's hilarious to me that you say that because I think I've mentioned this to you before, that was one of the earliest clues to me that your gender was not as you were presenting it to be. Because one time we were talking about it and I said, you know, I I don't feel like any gender totally fits. I feel like they both fit badly hmm And mostly I feel like human. And you were like, well, I'm not a boy and I'm not a girl. And the fact that you said this three or four different times over the course of a few months, but every time it was that juvenile language. It wasn't, I'm not a man or a woman. It was, I'm not a boy or a girl.
0: I think it's that feeling as a trans person that you feel stuck. You didn't get to have your proper puberty, and so you don't feel grown. Okay. At least that's my experience.
1: And was, I've seen you know. other guys say that as well, again, yeah. in social settings and subreddits and such. Right. And then a couple weeks ago, it was on Tuck Woodstock's podcast, Gender Reveal, that they were saying, you know, like there's a difference between the gender of boy and the gender of man. And there are a lot of people who feel like boy fits, but man man doesn't, mm-hmm. or girl fits, but woman doesn't. Right. Interesting. And so, again, there's that sense of where is the adulting... And where is that tied into gender? And for you, it was a very binary thing. Like you were still seeing and talking about gender in very juvenile terms until you got to your transition and you're like, yep, I'm a man. Yeah. So like, I still don't feel like an adult sometimes either. Like even in situations where, and I was thinking about this the other day because I'm in a Facebook group with a bunch of people I went to university with and I had a kid my freshman year of undergrad and I went there married. And we've talked about this before, how I was a non-traditional student at 18, even though you were a traditional student at 30 something. Mm -hmm. And like, even then I still felt like these kids who were coming in two or three years after me were like the ones I should be looking up to. A lot of times it was because they had the advantages that I hadn't had. And so they had had voice lessons for longer than I had, or they had had performing experience for longer than I had, or they had more skills because they had had more opportunities to learn them. But it felt like they were the older people. They were the adults. Mm -hmm. Even though I was two or three years older than them, even though I had two jobs and a kid Mm -hmm. while finishing my degree. And it didn't strike me until you said that, that part of that might have been gender as well. Because even then, I, I didn't have... You know, at 18, in the 90s, I didn't have, A, the idea of gender outside the binary at that point yet. Mm -hmm. And B, I was still working out the idea, like much of our community was, that gender and orientation, like who you are and who you like, are not necessarily intertwined. Like, somebody who's trans didn't just gay so hard that they changed their gender. No, they did not. (sighs) yeah and so having not having those ideas of who i was as an adult person in the world probably contributed to that now that i think of it
0: i yeah i agree with you that was my experience and I can see how that would happen for somebody non-binary, maybe even more so because it's harder to, in the world we live in, especially if you go back to the 90s, Mm -hmm. sort that out.
1: And speaking of the 90s, the other reason it's weird for us to be trans elders is because so many of our LGBTQIA elders are fairly young because there's a whole generation of elders who didn't get to be elders.
0: Well, there's that and, and there are plenty of... Folks younger than me that transitioned way before me because of circumstances being so different for their age group and so forth.
1: And so at that point, you were looking up to these people who were on YouTube when you were starting your transition, even though they were decades younger than you, you were still seeing them as the elders in this process.
0: Yeah. And trying to see what was going to what was gonna be going on. But now you're a man. I already was. That was part of the problem. Yes. Yeah. But like you're an adult man. I am an adult man (laughs) in charge of children, of all things. And preparing to
1: retire in a few years and still don't feel adulty.
0: It's starting to occur to me lately, though. It's starting to occur to me that apparently I am the adult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Is that a pun? A little. So is there anything else about adulting or about gender and its relationship to maturity, to self-efficacious maturity?
0: The only thing that occurs to me, uh, I, I get a glimpse of, and we've talked about before, is watching the boy's friends watch me when they come around. And he did have some kids, because they were all outside. There and are some boys are that get
1: together and hang out at the park, distanced. And yeah, yeah.
0: And the boys always watch me. I can tell they're trying to gauge, like, what kind of dude is this, and what's going to happen now? Because, you know, the extreme things that could happen with some dude around... <laughs> Yep. Yeah. hmm So, they're, they're usually trying to gauge number two child's dad guy. Yeah. What's the dad going to do? What kind of dad is that? And it was- the dad that's going to yell or inter- strangle us?
1: And it was interesting because number two's friend froze their hand, like was starting to get frostbite. That's oh, what it yeah, was. Yeah.
0: yeah. This is the kid he, he goes to class with. So, he's with that kid every day. Yeah. yeah. So- So, they were playing outside. They're
1: and, already pandemic buddies, as it were.
0: Yes. And they were playing outside and- um, I'm not sure what the kid's status is, but he—he um,
1: he clearly has some developmental challenges, like our boy.
0: He does. I remember when they first started going to school, and he said there was only one kid in his class, and the kid has a hard time. Like he dropped his pencil, and he—he he said, "I hate my life." And uh, <laughs> this struck our our child as like more than was needed. Our, our child who is interesting, but anyhow, the poster
1: child for overreacting found the other classmates reaction to be too much. Yes, that's, I think that's great for him to get that experience. Cool. I think that's part of why this class is good for him to I have I think it is too. The opportunity to observe other kids like him
0: right. and from the outside. He's very patient with kids like that. Yeah. So his he and his friend are outside and our child has problems with his senses. And so he doesn't probably notice that he's cold, for instance. Yes. And the other child got very cold and his hands got too cold and he had to come in and get warm and and he was going to put him in the water. And I said, you have to make it not too warm. And his hands started thawing out too quickly and he was crying. And yeah, so that's what was happening.
1: Yeah. He and so you had to, to walk this kid who is completely, you know, I mean, where our kid is hypo sensitive, this other kid is sensorily hypersensitive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you're having to be the one there, it's okay, you'll be all right. You're having to be like the the caregivery.
0: Yeah. And I know that that kid had some problems because our, our child is, you know, the six o'clock news. Mm-hmm. I know he had some problems with one of his mom's boyfriends being cruel. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's always also kind of worried because I, I was the adult there.
1: And for him to see you being the kind person and the caring person and mm-hmm. the the person who wasn't going to tell him to man up.
0: Yeah, and our, our child said, number two said, I feel like he was being too dramatic. I cannot, <laughs> you I cannot not laugh because, because he was looking at me and then he was crying. I said, maybe he feels like crying and he's looking at you to see if that's going to be a problem. And he was like, oh, okay maybe
1: that that yeah. is a, definitely a thing and i think also it's interesting and kind of telling that our kid would think of you know checking with other people around them before crying not as a safety valve but as a dramatics valve because that's totally how our kid would do it mm-hmm. he would gauge his reaction based on what reaction do i want from these other people and how do i get it and is crying going to be the best way to get what i want now
0: Yeah. And that wasn't my sense with this kid. My sense was he was worried and he was in pain and it was scaring him.
1: Yes. And he was looking for, is it safe to express that now?
0: And he was crying longer than a neurotypical kid probably would in that situation Mm
1: -hmm. because of his
0: other sensitivities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it was good for him to see you being the kind man and the gentle dad.
0: I would hope so. I would hope that our child would also notice that that's, you know, me and not just tell me like he did when he was texting me yesterday. Oh, my God. (laughs) He was so mad at me because I wouldn't give him his PlayStation time. And, it, you know, it's definitely better.
1: His behavior since he's been on new meds and since he's had this yes, behavior curriculum. and The situation
0: and, yeah. overall with him is definitely better. But his texts were, fuck you and fuck you for making my life harder than it already is. And,
1: and you always do this and I hate you. And then middle finger emojis. and <laughs> Yeah.
0: And I'm like, wow, you committed it to evidence. <laughs> Well, because he has a a phone now and he can do that. But what was good about that is I didn't have to have it in my face. And he was using words instead of...
1: Yeah, really that's huge.
0: ramping up cuz he'll take that and he'll he'll really ramp up and mm-hmm. he doesn't do that now with the new meds and
1: Yeah, 3 or 4 so. years ago he would have like thrown a tantrum and broken things and flipped tables and Yeah. And so for him to just use words and text swears and middle finger emojis at you is huge improvement.
0: Yeah. When I read it I was it, you know, it's just ridiculous but I thought of how Zero Child gets so mad at him when he thinks his life is bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny to me because there's another adulting thing that, you know, number zero was doing adulting type things until the system found them. And then they got to be a kid again, but they had emotionally stunted development. And so they came to you at, what, 16 with the emotional development of a six-year-old.
0: Maybe nine, but I don't think that they were doing adulting things before that. I think they were surviving and hiding from the so-called adults. Okay. Yeah. I don't think there was adulting. I think there was survival. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which does not help your emotional development.
1: That is true. Not that I have to tell you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting to me to see, you know, how that, how that plays out when they are so much alike in their emotional instabilities and in their developmental challenges, but then they have the same buttons and they trigger each other so hard.
0: They can. And despite that, I have put Zero Child in charge of the supervision of the kitchen chores. I think that'll be a good thing. I think it'll be fine. They seem to think that their brother reacts well to them in those situations. In those situations, yes. Mm -hmm. So... Is there anything
1: else gendery or adulty or adulty gendery?
0: Oh, it just sounds tiring. It is. (laughs) I don't think so.
1: Okay. All right. So is that it then? That's it. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance.
0: My God, just made this.
1: Well, I heard it, but I didn't know that that's what you were making the face about.
0: Sorry. Are we ready? As ready as it gets. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. It happens around it. Like? On the side of it, or...
1: <laughs> like adulting. Adul- oh, wait. Hold Sorry. Yeah, it's but okay. You've got it. To- Get yourself situated. It's, it, I'm, I'm doing this right now. That's why I was trying to... Because I'm over here and I
0: can't but go you, further that way. But you have the couch turned this way and I'm facing this way. That's why. Should we pull the couch more this way so no, that it's... I think, I, I think I've got it now. Okay. Yeah. So. That's why I was moving around, though. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: Like adulting. No, I'll let you. I'll let you fix your eyes. Sorry. No, it's okay. Tired. Do you need a washcloth? No. Okay. It will take too long. Are you sure you don't want a washcloth?
0: <sighs> <sighs> that's not a no. It's not a yes either. <laughs> Let's just try a little bit longer.
1: <laughs> Should I get your eye wipes? Would that be better?
0: No, the eye wipes are all gone. It's an oh. eye wash now. Oh, okay. That's the thing.
1: So, I mean, we, we help them. We model it for them, but then we do do the make them do that. The that's
0: <laughs> no, you did <laughs>
1: graduate from high school and then you move out and become the adulter
0: that doesn't sound good <laughs> i know No, it sure doesn't you st- you move out and but start your fist in the air like you know you're <laughs> Let me doing start a that superhero superhero commercial can it be okay yes. <sighs> yes i will can we get rachel stott to draw us that comic <laughs> oh my god the adulterer <laughs> I fucking love you.
1: (laughs) Okay.